Let's open up in prayer and we'll get started this morning with our lesson. Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the, uh, the rain, for the crisp, cool weather this morning. Uh, Father, we are grateful that uh, every good thing comes from you. And we're grateful for the breakfast this morning. We thank you again for Barry and for uh, he gets here at the crack of dawn and he cooks and he's uh, faithful to be here. First one here and I just thank you for that. I pray your blessings on he and his business and all that he does, Father. And uh, we just pray that this morning as we study yet another one of uh, Christ's commands that we would take it to heart, that we would apply it to our lives, that we would... Allow it to change our lives so that we might be the kind of men that you want us to be. I thank you for these men, Father, that their willingness to to get up on an early Wednesday morning and come and study the Word of God, fellowship together. And I just pray that we would continue to grow as men. Father, that we would never grow complacent, satisfied with where we are, but that we would always keep striving to be more and more Christ-like. We thank you for this morning. And we give the next minutes to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, also, Barry, keep in mind, Barry, if you walk out, just drop a few bucks in the uh, tip jar out there, and that would help him tremendously. He means a lot to us. Well, this morning we're going to continue our study in the commands of Christ. Um, you know, when we started this thing out, I told you that I've, I've discovered over 50 commands of Christ. There's probably even more than that. We're not going to do all of them. Don't panic. Um, I'm just kind of cherry-picking the ones that, that really hit me hard. And so we're just kind of working our, our way through these commands of Christ, and there, there's so many of them. The one this morning has to do with prayer. And I'm always reluctant to teach on prayer for a couple of reasons. Number one... Because of my dad. My, my dad, many of you have met my dad and heard my dad speak. My dad is a prayer warrior. Uh, if you looked up prayer warrior in the dictionary, his picture would be there. He has always been a man of prayer. Um, I, I struggle with my prayer life. Uh, it's probably the hardest thing for me. So it's real hard for me to teach on prayer because I feel like it's something I don't really have a grasp on. But yet I can't escape the fact that the Bible has a lot to say about prayer. Jesus has a lot to say about prayer. He talked a lot about the topic. He illustrated prayer. He, he prayed early in the morning. He prayed before making big decisions. He and the Father communicated on a regular basis. So prayer was important to Christ. And so, you know, he didn't just talk about it. He did it. And that's one of the convicting things about preparing a lesson about prayer is you realize, man, I don't pray enough. I just... It's easy to teach on. It's real hard to live it. Jesus did both. He taught on it and he lived it daily. Um, And this morning, the command we're going to look at is not as direct as some of the ones we've looked at. In other words, it doesn't just come out and Jesus didn't just say, pray. You know, pray a lot. Uh, He gave examples of prayer. He gave the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer. Um, He illustrated it. He lived it. He modeled it. But he didn't just come out and give us a singular command to pray. But he did say a lot about it. Some of the passages I want to look at real briefly are John 16, 24. Jesus says, Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Ask and you will receive. Now I don't know about you, but I think about my life and I think about how many things I've asked God for that I didn't receive. And I think, 
okay, somebody's doing something wrong here. It's either God or me. I think I know the answer. But ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Okay? Well, how about this one? John 14. And I, Jesus says, will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Hmm. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it. Sounds like almost, uh, you know, carte blanche, doesn't it? Hmm. Anything in your name. Hmm. Okay. I can think of a lot of things. Does this happen? Do you experience this? Is it reality in your life and in my life? How about this one? You're familiar with it. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. To him who knocks the door will be opened. We're going to look at this a little bit closer in a minute. So you see all these passages and you you see Jesus talking about prayer and there's so many others. But the question for me and for you is do you buy that? Do you buy what we just read? Ask and you will receive. Ask me anything in my name and you'll have it. Do you really buy it? In other words, do you ask and receive on a regular basis? Well, I guess the first question is, do you ask? Do you really pray that much? Do you really ask God for anything? And if you do, do you receive? Has it been your experience that when you ask anything in his name, he does it? Do you have confidence that, man, I can go before the throne of God and I ask and he delivers? He answers. Uh, you know, one of the reasons I respect my dad so much is that in this area because he prays believing. Now, I pray, but I don't know that I pray believing. And my dad prays, and guess what? He receives. God answers. Why? When you seek, do you always find? When you knock, does the door always open? When you pray, do you ever give up? Do you, ever, do you ever start praying and then give up after a couple of prayers, after a couple of weeks, after maybe a couple of days, a couple of months? You give up. You throw in the towel. You know, Jesus seems to, to teach that you and I need not only to pray, but we need to pray persistently and expectantly. Look at this, this passage. This is the one I really want to key on this morning. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. They should always pray and not give up. I give up way too easy when it comes to prayer. Well, number one, I don't always pray. I kick into action. I try to solve it my way. I come up with my own tricks, my own agenda, my own will, I can solve this. I'm a pretty smart guy. I think I can handle this, God. But it says they should always pray and not give up. Do you give up? Do you, do you just throw in the towel and think, you know, God's not listening. God doesn't care. God's too busy. This is too small for God or this is maybe too big for God. Or maybe God's angry with me or maybe God doesn't care or maybe God's too busy over there or, and you just give up. What I want to key on this morning is the aspect of persistent, persevering prayer. Because I am more convinced than ever we need it. You and I need to not give up. Let me, let me read you something. This is from Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray uh, was one of the great saints who wrote a lot about prayer, who was a man of prayer. 
And in talking about Luke chapter 11, listen to what he says. The faith of the host in Luke 11 met a sudden and unexpected obstacle. The rich friend refuses to hear. He says, I can't help you this time. The loving heart had not counted on this disappointment and can't accept it. The asker presses his threefold plea. Here's my needy friend. You have abundance. I'm your friend. Then he refuses to accept the denial. The love that opened his house at midnight and then left it to seek help must conquer. Here's the central lesson of the parable. In our intercession, we may find that there is difficulty and delay in the answer. It may be as if God says, I can't help you this time. It's not easy to hold fast our confidence that he will hear and then to continue to persevere in full assurance that we shall have what we ask. Even so, this is what God desires from us. He highly prizes our confidence in him, which is essentially the highest honor the creature can render the creator. Let me read that again. He highly prizes our confidence in him, which is essentially the highest honor the creature can render the creator. He will therefore do anything to train us in the exercise of this trust in him. Blessed is the man who is not staggered by God's delay or silence or apparent refusal, but is strong in faith, giving glory to God. Such faith perseveres and cannot fail to inherit the blessing. You know, you ever ask the question, why do we pray to begin with? I mean, why do we bother? Um, and I don't mean that sacrilegiously, but doesn't he know what you need? I mean, am I just beating my gums here, God? I mean, you, you know what's going on. Is this just some kind of evil trick? You know I don't like to pray. You know I'm not good at it, but you're going to make me do it anyway. You already know what my needs are. If you love me, aren't you going to give me what I need? Don't the scriptures teach that? Don't. So what's this whole prayer thing about? You know, Matthew 6, 8 says, Your Father knows what you need before you even ask Him. So why do I have to ask? Why do I have to ask? And some of us probably take the attitude, well, I don't. I'm either going to meet my need myself or I'm just going to wait and see what happens. So why do we need to pray? A couple of things, two things. Number one, it's for God's glory. Now, you and I don't think about God's glory a whole lot, unless you happen to be a John Piper fan. If you read a lot of John Piper, he talks a lot about God's glory. But it's not typically something we talk a lot about is the glory of God. We exist for whose glory? God's glory. But if you really answer that honestly, who do you exist for? Your glory. It's all about you. It's all about me. But we pray for God's glory. Listen to what Jesus said. John 14, 13, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So why is Jesus going to answer your prayer? It's so that God will be glorified. So prayer is not for me to a certain degree. It's really for God. It's for his glory. Because when he answers, he gets the glory. When God does something spectacular, he gets the glory. When God answers a prayer over something I can't solve... It's real hard for me to take the glory for that because God did it. And that's the whole purpose is that God wants to get the glory. He's real funny about that. Prayer is designed, guys, by God to display his fullness in your need, my need. It's all about he's got everything. He is the great provider. He is the king of the universe. He is the creator of all things. He has fullness, and you have to come to grips with you have needs. 
Now, the problem in Western society, and especially in America, is that we don't have a whole lot of legitimate needs anymore. We have a lot of wants, but we meet most of our needs, and so we don't really need God. But God is all about, I want you to understand how needy you are. You ever thought about why did God make the Israelites wander for 40 years? Yes, it was punishment. But why did they have to go spend any time in the desert? What were the first things they encountered in the desert? Hunger, thirst, needs. And it even got them thinking, man, it was better back there. They were slaves. They were making bricks out of, with no straw. They were under heavy taskmasters. And yet, God led them into a place where they had to rely solely on Him. Have you ever been there? You ever had God lead you into a place where you just have to completely rely on Him? The truth is, as believers, that should be every day of our lives. That we, we rely solely on Him. His fullness, our need. Prayer puts us in the position of the thirsty. You know, as I thought about that, my problem is I'm not often that thirsty. It's like I've heard the, the, the phrase before that we come to worship and we're not hungry for God because we're so full on the things of this world. It's like, it's like coming to the dinner table and you've just, you're bloated. You're so full you can't eat another meal. It's like Thanksgiving evening. You know, you just eating all day, pies and cakes and turkey, and then you sit down and you're going to have yet another meal, and you're just so bloated that it doesn't even look good to you. The mention of food doesn't sound appealing. That's kind of what it's like for many of us to come to church on Sunday because we are not hungry because we fed ourselves on the things of this world. Many of us aren't thirsty enough to even ask for water. Prayer puts God in the position of the all-supplying fountain. I'm thirsty. He's the fountain. I got a need. He's got the supply. I'm empty. He's full. That's really what prayer is all about. It expresses my dependence on Him. Why do I pray? Typically, I pray when I'm in trouble. I pray when there's a need. I pray for if, if any of you come up and say, hey, I've got an issue going on. I've got a um, marital situation. I've got a financial situation. I've got this or that. You know, you're saying, i got a need. I need prayer. I need help. And I will pray. It, it, it expresses that, hey, God, I'm dependent on you. I can't solve this by myself. And all of that brings glory to him. You know, if my kids come to me and they say, Dad, you know, I need help. If my son comes up to me, and he doesn't do this often, but if he comes up to me and say, Dad, I need help with math, he'd be an idiot, idiot to ask me to help him with math, but I'd get, I'd get some glory of that. You know, I'd think, that's cool, my son is coming to me for help. If, if my kids come to me and they say, Dad, I need your help, that brings me glory, because what are they saying? Number one, they're showing respect. Number two, they're showing dependence. They're showing that I need you, Dad. I trust you. I depend on you. That's exactly what prayer does. Psalm 50:15 says this, Trust me in your times of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will give me glory. What's the key thing there? Trust, but also trouble. Trust me in your times of trouble. 
I will rescue you and you will give me glory. See, I don't need to trust him when things are going great, and I don't typically trust him when things are going great because things are going great. It's during the trouble that I have to trust him because things look bleak. Things look like they're not going to go well, but he will rescue you and then you will give me glory. Why? Because you have to admit, God did that. I didn't do it. We get the help. He gets the glory. That's what prayer is for. It exists for his glory. We benefit by getting the help. But there's a second part, a second reason we pray. It's for our joy. Now, this one's really hard for me to get my hands around. Because my prayer life, and maybe it's just my prayer life, is not that joyful sometimes. Uh, It can be agonizing. It can be burdensome. It can be difficult. But we're told that John 16, 24, ask, Jesus says, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. What's he saying here? I think Jesus is saying he wants to fill us with the only joy that's going to last, joy in God. Joy in God, that when he, when he intersects with my life in any way, in any capacity, when he answers any prayer, when he steps in and he intervenes, I get joy. Number one, that he really does exist, that he really does care about me, that he really is the king in the universe, and that I really am his child, his heir, and everything he has is available to me, and that brings me joy. Does it bring me happiness necessarily? Not on earthly terms, no. It's a different kind of joy. And I really think Jesus wants to free you and I from those things that provide only temporal joy. So, so what do we do? You know, when I've got a need, and we all do this differently, but if I have a need, if I'm under a lot of pressure, um, I, come, I come from a family of eaters. And we eat under pressure. Now, maybe you don't do that. Some people starve themselves. Not my family. I don't have a person in my family who does that. When we're under pressure, we eat. And you're looking at me thinking, man, you've been under pressure. Um, That's how we handle pressure. Some people shop. Some people buy something to make them feel better. Some people will... Take a drug. Some people will use alcohol. Some people turn to sex. Some people turn to any. Some people throw themselves into work. Anything to make the pain go away or to bring them some form of pleasure. But it's only temporal, isn't it? It's only temporal. And it never really brings joy. It may bring some sense of little happiness, contentment, but it's only for a period of time. What Jesus is saying, I want your joy to be in God. I want your joy to be lasting. I want it to be not temporal but eternal because those things only distract us. You know, if 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 I get under pressure, if I'm under stress, one of the things that I may do is just flip on the TV. Not anything necessarily wrong with that, but I'll I'll check out for my family, I'll check out for my wife, and I'll I'll just surf the channels. And that's always a real good thing to do. You know, late at night, you know, you're stressed, you're, you're bummed, maybe you're sad, you're, you're depressed, and you're just, you're not going to watch Channel 58. You're not going to watch, you know, uh, Billy Graham Crusade. I doubt it. But what are you trying to do? It's, gonna, it's distracting me from my pain, but it's also distracting me from the solution to my pain. 
the only thing that can solve my pain. Watching TV has never solved any pain in my life. It may have made me laugh for a minute. It may have made me find pleasure for a second. But it doesn't bring me joy, and it only distracts. But when we receive from God, when He steps in and He answers my prayer, it's proof that He loves me. You know, the reason some of us don't think that God loves us is because we don't allow Him the opportunity to step in and give to us and prove that He loves us because we're always meeting our own needs. We're always kind of stiff-arming God and saying, you know what, I'll take care of this. I'm down, I'm sad, I'm under stress, I'll, I'll meet it my way. And we miss out on the joy that He intends for us. Well, let's look at some lessons you and I need to learn about prayer. And there's, there's a million of them. We're only going to be able to hit on a few. Number one, pray with an attitude of perseverance. Perseverance. You and I need to persevere. We need to keep on keeping on. Luke 18.1, Jesus said this. He tells this parable to his disciples. And, and you're going to look at it in a minute. But the parable is to show them that they should always pray and not give up. We've looked at this verse a few minutes ago. Pray and don't give up. When it comes to prayer, you and I give up way too easy. You know, let's say, well, I've used this example before. Friday morning, our prayer time that we have with guys whose marriages are, are struggling. We've been meeting for probably six months now. We have not seen a single marriage healed yet. You know what we've seen? We've seen divorce papers filed. We've seen wives move out. We've seen, we've seen, we've, we've basically seen marriages falling apart as we pray for marriages to be healed. Can I tell you how disappointing that can be? Can I tell you how easy it would be to say, why do we even meet? But you know what God is doing is that God is working and he's answering prayer, and he's changing men's lives, and he's doing things behind the scenes that I don't have a clue what he's doing. I only see one thing. She's moved out. She's filed for divorce. She hates his guts. He wants to get back with her, but she refuses. Why? But I fail to see that he's more like Christ today than he was six months ago. He's growing in Christ in the midst of a very difficult time. I can't give up. And I can't tell you how many Friday mornings I wake up and I think, I'm just being honest. I really don't want to be there. Not because I don't love those guys and not because I don't want to pray for them and not because it's just, it's, it's hard. But every time I show up and every time we finish, I am so glad I was there. Don't give up. We throw in the towel too easy. Our lack of persistence could indicate several things about you and I. Number one, a lack of faith. A lack of faith. In other words, we don't believe he'll answer. We stop asking because we don't think you're going to answer. We, we stop begging. We, we stop knocking on the door. We stop persevering because we, he's not going to answer. And, you know, we've seen our numbers drop significantly on Friday morning. This is not a guilt trip for you to show up. But we, we started out with a bunch of guys and guys who were there praying and guys... And the numbers have dropped. And I think some of that is schedule. Some of it is, this ain't easy. It's not necessarily fun. 
But some of it may be a lack of faith. I really don't think anything's going to change. So I'm going to stop asking. It could indicate a lack of patience. We don't want to wait. Now, I really struggle with this one. I'm not a patient guy. And so I ask, and I ask, and after a while I say, I'm done. I don't have time to wait. I don't have time to wait for you guys. So I stop persisting. It could indicate a lack of need. We really don't think we need his answer. You know, we, we get used to things the way they are. One of the temptations for the guys that we pray for on Friday morning is to get used to the fact that I'm just going to be divorced. So why pray for healing of my marriage? I just need to get used to being divorced and move on with my life. And, you know, that may happen. That may be true. We have men in this room who have been there, who have been through divorce, and, yes, they've had to move on with their lives. And that may be the answer, but that does not mean that we stop praying for healing. Maybe the need isn't that real to you. Maybe you're not thirsty enough. Maybe you're not hungry enough. Maybe you just don't think, I really don't need this answer. It could also indicate spiritual laziness. We don't want to cry out day and night. You know, crying out day and night is hard work. If you think about it, day and night means day and night. It means morning and evening. It means all day long crying out to God saying, God, I really want to see this happen. Lord, I really want to see these marriages healed. Lord, I really want this to be solved in my life. I really want my wife to return. I really want... But you cry out day and night. And that word cry means cry it means yell it means scream it means to call out it means there's there's some energy behind it but you know what some of us are just kind of spiritually lazy we don't want to cry out it also could indicate wrong motives we don't persist because our motives are wrong we don't have a real legitimate need that that Luke 18 there's this the story in Luke 18 is about this widow. Let me just read it to you real quick. Luke 18, 2. In a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city and she kept coming to him saying, Give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, Even though I do not fear God nor respect men, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now, will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Maybe your motive's wrong. What was this woman's motive? She needed help. She needed justice. James 4.3 says, as you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Maybe we don't have persistent prayer because we're really not asking for the right thing for the right motive. This woman wanted justice. She needed the right thing to be done. She's looking for legal protection. She's going to this judge. She's saying, I need you to protect me from my adversary. I'm helpless. I'm a widow. I have no rights. I need your help. Sometimes we don't persevere because we're, we're really 
We're not asking for the right thing. We're, we're wanting it for us. And we know it, and so we don't keep persevering because we know in our heart that this isn't about God. This isn't about a legitimate need. It's just something I want for me. She had a pressing need she could not meet. I am to come to God with pressing needs that I can't meet. And she was persistent because she was powerless. And I think, again, I don't want to bang this drum too hard, but are you really powerless? Are you willing to go to God and say, I, I can't solve this problem. I don't know what to do about this situation. If you reach that point, you will become more of a prayer warrior because you'll realize that it isn't going to happen unless he does it. And you'll become much more persistent in your prayer life. I'm not going to get through the rest of the lesson, and that's okay. Uh, that's not that important. Um, if you'll look on the bottom of your your uh, handout, all of the, the back page has all of the words that go in the blanks, so you can fill it in yourself. Um, but I do want to I do want to end with this. I want to hit on a, another key passage to close with. And this is from Matthew seven. And it's an interesting passage to me. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks find, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask, seek, and knock. So number one, one of the things we need to do is ask. Ask the right person. Turn to God. Um, ask him first. Make sure you go to him. When you have a need, where do you tend to turn? Make it him. And, and, and this is as much for me as it is for you. Go to him first. Jesus says we're to ask God. Not go ask your friend. Go ask God. And we're to ask in Jesus' name because Jesus' name has power. This isn't, it's not some kind of formula. It's not some kind of magic potion that if I stack, tack on Jesus' name at the end, it's going to get me all kinds of things. But it, it reveals that I understand who he is and that it's because of Jesus that I have access to the Father. Pray in his name. Because Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Do it out of respect for who he is and what he's done. It's because of him that we have access to the Father. That word ask is a petition of somebody in lesser degree to somebody in higher degree, somebody in authority, a superior. It's to ask, it's to beg, it's to crave for something, it's to want it badly. It's to come before God as my superior. Not my genie, but my superior. And it's to call out to him. We're to ask in faith. That means we, we need to have confidence in God that he can and will answer and he's able to provide for all my needs. Have faith. Does that mean your faith is always going to be strong and it's never going to languish and you're never going to struggle? No, it means we, we need to believe. We need to believe in who he is and what he says and what these passages Jesus is sharing with us that ask in my name and you will receive. I will do it. We need to believe that. And what that means is that you don't hesitate or you don't waver. You don't, eh, I don't know. I don't know, God. Because, you know, what, what that's really saying is you're really not God. I really don't believe you are who you say you are. I really don't believe you are king of the universe. I really don't believe I'm your child. I really don't believe you're my father. I really don't believe you love me. 
We need to have confidence. We need to ask in faith. James says this, when, when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. Because he who doubts is like the, a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. We need to go to God believing that he is who he says he is. And the more you see him answer, guess what? The easier it will be to believe because you've seen him act. I love what John Piper says. Praying in faith doesn't always mean being sure that the very thing we ask will happen. But it does always mean that because of Jesus, we trust God to hear us and help us in the way that seems best to him. It may mean that he gives us just what we ask or that he gives us something better. Something better. You know, I've seen God God answer prayers that, man, it wasn't what I asked for, but it was better. Far better. Um, You know, I've seen guys on Friday morning pray for their marriages to be healed, and their wife moves out, or he has to move out. And a perfect example, uh, Doug Daniels shared a couple of weeks ago, but Doug moved out of his home, his Wife has filed for divorce. He ends up in the home of another gentleman living with him. And because of his presence in that home, this guy is, is closer to Christ now and is back in AA because he's got a drinking problem. And he has told Doug, if it weren't for you, this wouldn't have happened. How did Doug get in that house? Sound like a pretty bad circumstance, but if Doug had not been there, no telling where this guy would be. But he's now coming back to church, and he's back in AA, and he's getting help. Is God answering prayers? Yes. It just may not be what you think or how you want it answered. So ask in faith, ask the right person, and then ask in total dependence. We're not going to have time to look at Luke 11 again, but this guy came, and he was totally dependent because he had nothing. He had nothing. And he was dependent on his friend's generosity. You need to go to God with open hands and say, I have nothing. I don't have the wisdom. I don't have the resources. I don't have the power. I don't have anything. I'm dependent on you. So ask, number two, seek. What does that mean? Seek after God. Seek the giver, not just the gift. Man, don't go to God as your personal genie. Go to him because you want to get to know him. Prayer is about relationship. God creates needs in my life and your life so that we will turn to him. Think about that. Why does God allow this stuff into your life? So maybe he wants you to come to him so you can get to know him and so you can get to trust him and so you can grow in him and so he creates a need. And he wants you to seek him, not just the solution, seek him. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face continually. See, we we go to God and we're always seeking solutions, but He's like, hey, I want you to seek me. If my kids only come to me for cash, or, hey, Dad, would you take me somewhere? Or, hey, Dad, would you buy me something? What am I going to read into that? My kids don't really love me. They love my stuff. They love what I can provide, but they don't love the provider. Seek Him. Ask. Seek after God. Get to know Him. Seek Him with a whole heart. J. 
Jeremiah tells us, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. How much do you really want God? How much do you really want to see him active in your life? And then seek him daily. Do you know you have daily, daily needs for a reason? You get hungry every day, don't you? The bills are due every day. Everything is daily in our lives, and he wants us to turn to him daily, every single day. Not just when things are tough, but for everything in life. That's why in his prayer in Matthew 6, 11, he says, Give us this day our daily bread. Come to him, come to him daily. I've got daily needs, not just pressing needs that come once in a blue moon, but every day. Then knock. Knock at the right door. You know, the guy in the parable went to the right door. He went to the guy who had the resources. Knock at the right door. You want results? Go to the right source. The man in the parable went to his neighbor. We need to turn to God. And then knock with persistence. Be persistent. You may not get the answer you want, but keep on knocking. Cry out day and night. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. Pray until you get an answer. Uh, Jim Gunnels just gave me this. The push principle, pray until something happens. P-U-S-H. That's a great one. Pray until something happens. You'll know it when something happens. It may not be what you wanted, but God did act. Then knock expecting to be heard. Expect to be heard. And keep banging. Bang loud. You want to be heard? Knock loudly. Prayer is not for the timid, guys. Prayer is not for the timid. Don't lose heart. And I'll close with this. Man, if you hear anything else, Jesus says this, pray and don't give up. Pray and don't. First of all, pray. Always pray. Whatever it is, pray. But don't give up. That word uh, to give up means to be spineless. Don't be spineless. Don't be weak-kneed, limp-wristed. You know, I just, I don't know, I just don't have the energy, God. Don't give up. What are you praying for that you've given up on? That you just stopped praying about? It ain't going to happen, God's not going to do it. Don't stop praying. When you stop praying, when you stop praying, you cease believing. You're not praying, you don't believe. I don't care how much you say you believe, if you don't pray about it, you don't believe. You don't believe He will answer And it's to stop expecting. Man, we should be expecting incredible things from God because He's an incredible God. But we need to pray. Pray about whatever got shared around that table. Pray for it this week. Pray for it next week. Ask the guy next week, how's it going? If you hadn't got an answer, keep praying. See, what we do is we say, yeah, I'll pray. We pray one time, and then we never even go back to that person and say, well, what's going on? What's God done? See, we don't even ask, what what has God done? Because we don't think God's done anything. Go back and keep asking, and maybe what you'll need to do is help that guy keep praying. I'm not going to give up. You don't give up. Do not give up. Paul says this, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you. Do not stop praying. If you haven't started, start. But once you start, don't stop. Don't give up. Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the fact that we can come before your throne. And I confess to you, Father, I don't do it enough. I only do it when i got a pressing problem. I only do it when 
all hell is broken loose, when I don't have an answer and I don't have another trick up my sleeve, Father, I don't want to be that kind of prayer, prayer person. I want to be somebody who comes to you daily and lifts up everything to you. When I got a decision to make, I pray about it. When I have a need, I pray about it. When I ha- I've had a blessing, I thank you for it. When somebody else around me has a need, I lift them up to your throne. Father, I want to be somebody who prays, who communicates, who talks to you, who's intimate with you, who has a relationship with you. And I don't come to you as my personal genie, but as the God of the universe who wants to be active in my life. Help me to pray expectantly. Father, whatever's going on in the lives of the men in this room, may we pray expecting you to hear and to act. And in the next few weeks, Father, may we hear answers to our prayers and give you the glory. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Guys, have a great morning, and we'll see you next week.